Um, this morning I'm going to uh, teach, Ma, if you want to crack on the first uh, slide there. We're going to delve into <coughs> um, uh, the invitations of Jesus. Um, a few weeks ago I, had, um, I, I thought I had this sermon ready to rock and roll, but in typical Jesus style he said, no you don't. Um, and I've really, I won't say struggled, but there was parts of it that I actually wanted to leave out. Um, but again, in Jesus' style, he was like, no, this has, to, this has to stay in. Over the last two days, I've had m- massive confirmations of one particular piece that has to stay in. Yesterday, I met another Christian from, from another church here in Bray. And uh, this morning, uh, I found something in, in an old journal that I, that I was bringing just to hold on to the pieces of paper. And I literally found um, the invitation. And I wrote this about... I wrote that about three, four years ago. So I think uh, it's very pertinent, this message. I think, um, I believe it's a revelation for all of us. Uh, I really do believe that. Um, I believe um, Jesus is calling us into a deeper relationship with him. Um, and hopefully we, we, can, we can step into that. So um, I was going to say a quick prayer if we can, and, and then we crack on. So Jesus, I just want to give this time to you. Uh, guide my words. Um, and as my words go forth, uh, let them uh, fall on uh, fertile ground, and just as the, the rain and snow falls, um, let it come back, uh, not void, uh, full of fruit uh, for you and your glory in your name. Amen. So, brilliant. So, what we're going to explore today is, is our relationship with Jesus, um, and we're going to look at some of the invites. He invites us to a lot of things. As I was doing this study um, he invites us to a huge amount of things, um, you know, as we walk our Christian walk. But I'm just going to focus on some things. Um, before we go into the invite, though, we've got to find out and really, I suppose, look into who Jesus is, right? Um, and that may be a, a very fairly simple question, but uh, years ago, I professed to be a Christian, and I didn't have a clue who Jesus was. I, I really didn't know who he was and who he was meant to be. Um, I put up some pictures on the on uh, on this slide, um, and again, I thought Jesus was a distant figure. You know, those uh, I grew up as a, a as a Catholic, and um, I just seen distant Jesus. You know, looking ah, good morning, hi, uh, looking in the distance. You know, and detached. That was that was the Jesus I grew up with, um, and then as I grew in my like in a faith as such. Um, and I, I talked, I, I heard about this Jesus. I seen him as lofty and unattainable. Uh, you know, can't go near him. You know, uh, just not personal. Resurrected, but way, way, way far away. Um, but thankfully, uh, through my Christian walk over the last couple of years, I've seen him as uh, ferocious. He's absolutely wants a personal relationship with us. He loves us deeply. And the big thing for me is that's a picture from, anyone want to have a guess what that picture is from? Yeah, Narnia, yeah, absolutely. It's actually from um, the Dawn Treader. Um, so that's, that just is a depiction of Jesus for me at the moment in terms of how, uh, how I see him and some of the, the works of C.S. Lewis really brings him to life for me. Um, so if we were just to touch on... Um, what Jesus, who Jesus, this Jesus is, and, and, and what, we're, what we're to encounter. Uh, two stories come to mind and, and uh, to bring it to life how we should experience Jesus. The first one, Zacchaeus. Up the tree, 
chubby little, maybe, and we all think he's chubby and small, but um, don't pass any dispersions. Uh, chubby, small, and I didn't pick this. This is not, yeah, yeah, this is not subliminal. Um, so why did I pick him? So up a tree, really wanted to know just Jesus. Clearly he had heard something beforehand. I was like, I really need to see this guy. I really need to know him. I really need to see him. Up a tree and then gets invited. Oh, well, he gets invited back to his own gaff by Jesus. I'm going to lunch in your, in your house today. Brilliant, happy days. And there was an encounter that isn't really in, in the scripture, but let's just think of what happened. Jesus in his house. There was this amazing encounter with Jesus that Zacchaeus' life was turned upside down. He gave, you know, he said, right, I'm, I'm stopping robbing people. I'm going to give back, you know, so many times back to people that I robbed. I'm going to give half of my wealth away. It poses a question. That encounter with Jesus, is that just for back then or is it for now as well? The next story I just want to talk about is, um, is, the, is the woman at Jesus' feet in Luke 7. Um, what we see here is a woman who had earlier encountered Jesus. Again, um, this, this amazing effect on her. She broke into a house, right? She, she did everything that was forbidden. She wept at a man's feet, forbidden. Touched them, forbidden. Kissed his feet, forbidden. And had her hair down, forbidden. What struck, what struck me about that um, is, is her, her dignity, it was, it, was, it was worth nothing to her. Something had happened in her encounter with Jesus that was so important. And I think, and I believe, that those encounters are exactly the kind of encounters that we should experience with Jesus, the living God today. And that's what today is a little bit about. How do we encounter Jesus? How do we, how do we um, engage with him? How do we experience him? So there is something about Jesus that our li- changes our lives. Um, so let's have a look. So the question was, does, you know, do you know Jesus, right? You know, so we're talking about invitations and uh, you know, you've got to find out who's doing the invite first. So we, we looked at the, what an encounter with Jesus looks like from the scripture. Um, but the next question is, does Jesus know you? Um, we see in Matthew 7, um, Mal, I think I have it up there, yeah. So I'm just going to read this out. Many will say to me on that day, so uh, when we see Jesus uh, resurrected again, or come back again. Um, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your, in, uh, in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, this is Jesus speaking, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Now, I've read that a million times, and the one phrase that sticks out to me now is, I never knew you. Of course, Jesus is the living God. He knows you. But just behind that is, I never, it was, was many words, and if you look at the Greek words, it's, uh, I, I was never acquainted with you. If we go to Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, I stand and I knock at the door. He doesn't bust in. You know, and by the way, which door is he knocking on? Not a house in the distance. It's, your, it's, it's, a, the, it's the door of your heart. You know, I always read that scripture and went, ah, oh, it's some house somewhere else. He's knocking on a door, I prefer. But he actually is knocking on the door of your heart. He doesn't bust in. And 
scary bit. These, these will be professing Christians. Now, the good news, if you're asking these types of questions saying, I don't want to be on that side, Jesus, that's a great start. That's the best start in the whole world. Because I've read this, I've, I've marked this, some of these scriptures as kind of ouch ver, uh, verses that I go over and I keep saying, well, Jesus, I want you to know me. And my challenge to us today, to you today, is that does Jesus know you? Have you let him in? And I was really struggling with this bit over the last couple of weeks. And um, about two weeks ago, going to bed, uh, I said, right, that, that, look, geez, you, you, need to, you need to let me know what's going on here. I, I need help putting this stuff together. So I tend to struggle with these things as such, you know, when, I, when I'm coming up to sermons about four weeks in advance because uh, I really want to do it justice. And the more I do this, the more I see how glorious he is and how immensely unworthy sometimes I am to even be up here and even preach about this guy that I'm madly, about, madly in love with and who has saved me from, from inter- eternal damnation. Um, so I never knew you. Um, the, Mal, you can click on to the next. Uh, so going to bed, this image, an image flashed in my head. And this was challenging for me, and I hope it's challenging for you in a really good way. Out of nowhere, head hitting the pillow, I usually take about five seconds to go asleep. Right, and this image comes to my head. Not exact image, but you'll get the idea. This is a dam, and dams hold back water. They hold back gushings and gushings and gushings of water. And I said, right, what do you want me to do with this? What, what does this mean? He says, that's my love. That's every gift that I have for my people. And we still build dams. They, you know, Bernard, you haven't let me fully in yet. So I have to say, I've been praying through this for the last couple of weeks, going, well, Jesus, there's a part of my life that I haven't let you in. And like that scripture in Matthew, I never knew you, Jesus. I want you to know every single part of me. Because in there, he doesn't want to bust in and, um, how would you say, overlord us. He wants to come in and heal us, give us back our identity, give us back our life. That's what he offers. That is the offer. Um, if you just click on to the next one, Mal, then this image came to mind again. Uh, what a dam does, the water on the other side of the dam is stagnant and stale and not moving. Now, this message is not just for people maybe in the, uh, here today that haven't given their life to Jesus yet. This is for all of us, right? Where Jesus constantly tries to push us into a deeper relationship with him. And that we, he doesn't bust in like Revelations 3.20. It says, I knock, I stand. If you invite me in, I'll have dinner with you. I'll literally, I'll eat with you. I'll come and be intimate as you want. So then this vision came to my mind where stagnant water or not moving. Mal, if you click on to the next one. But this is what Jesus is inviting us into. A free life, free with him full of adventure, full of love, a love that will never cease. An adventure that will never cease. Um, and I like to picture that it's three. Uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And you're looking, at, you're looking from the back. It is an adventure to this Christian walk. 
but it can be stale and it can be stagnant. And that's because we build uh, dams. Dams like sin can build a dam. You know, not trusting Jesus can build a dam. Not allowing him into an area of your, of your mind or your past. And we, and we do this. We do that. I've, I've done this. I've gone, Jesus, I'm not going there. I don't want to go there. And, he, you know, his gentle voice keeps on going, no, we need to go there. You need to do, we, need to, we need to go into a past issue or we need to go into a healing area for you, etc. And, and there has been times I've built dams and there's been times that I've prayed them away and I've literally gone on a journey with the Father, Son and Spirit and I've never looked back. And I don't want to be in that place where Jesus says to me, Bernard, I never knew you. I see that scripture a lot differently now. I, I, like, you never invited me in. I want to be your intimate ally. I want to be your, not just your saviour, but your friend, your healer, your restorer, the lover of your soul. Might even click on. So what are the key things that Jesus is inviting us into? Uh, so now we know who he is. Well, you, hopefully... We've challenged that. We've challenged that you have to open up your heart and, and get Jesus to know you. He doesn't bash down the door. So we're going to step into uh, one of the key invitations that Jesus uh, gives us is, is reality. In John 4, 6, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to me except through the Father. And then uh, in John 8, 32 uh, it says, the truth shall set you free. Those words, truth, can be changed the same very similar route to reality. So, in essence, what Jesus is saying, I am the reality, and reality will set you free. And this is me paraphrasing what that reality is, if you give me, give, give me artistic license for two seconds. Um, this is about a love story. It's an epic rescue. So, at before time began, Father, Son, Spirit, have a meeting, right? Again, go with me on this. Have a meeting. And they know what's going to happen. They're going to create Adam and Eve. And uh, it's going to go a little bit apple shape instead of pear shape, right? We all know what's going to happen. Um, the father heart is, Father's heart is broken. Absolutely broken. Uh, easily could have just not done it and wiped it all away. And I remember one time I challenged God. I said, why, why did you create? Now, this may sound, you might go, well, how did you get that? But this is what I felt in my heart. And I feel this for you as well, right? It is so true if you let yourself hear this stuff and have that open heart to Jesus. This is what I heard. If I had stopped the story then, I wouldn't have gotten to meet you. And I wouldn't have gotten to create you. And that's for everyone. Not, this is not a Bernard thing. Get over that. And just like you got to be able to hear these things in scripture because it's written all over the place. It is an epic love story. So they get together, and you can just imagine what Jesus says. Let me do it. Let me bring them back to you. And then the father's like, "But you're my, you my, oh, come on, <laughs> this is too hard." And Jesus is saying, "Let me do it. I cannot hack you being like this." And I want them back. I, I, I can't live, we can't live without them. We can't leave them alone. Let's put it in place that you're 
our law is fulfilled and we get them back. So an epic story kicked off. We know about the fall. And sometimes you, you think of the fall, you go, Adam and Eve, I'd love to if I had them. <laughs> right? But I'm going to be honest. If it was me, the first man, by the time God got back, I would have been eating apple pie. I would, you know, I would, have had, <laughs> I would have had a factory for apple pies. Right? Hey, what do you mean? Right? So, so because we, 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 all, we all would have fallen. Right? Not just Adam and Eve. So the fall gave it all away. We relinquished power to Satan. If it, as I said, if it had been me, a different story, or same story as well. The epic rescue played out in theatrical form across the Old, Old Testament. Look at, look at Abraham. Such a beautiful prophetic story. Take your son up. Take your son up. Sacrifice him. And then he stopped, just as the knife is about to plunge. No, actually, Abraham, just stop for a sec. Just stop. I'll provide the sacrifice. It's all right, mate. Thanks, anyway. And you see that throughout the whole of, of, of the Old Testament, leading us up into this theatrical story, epic story, leading us up into the greatest event of all time. And this is our reality that we live in. And this is what we're invited into by Jesus. Seven times... Um, just like, just like in the Old Testament, the Day of Atonement, in Leviticus it tells us that the high priest would sprinkle, sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice across, across the tent. Jesus, the same, had to make that atonement for you and me. Great law of God had been broken by me and you, and he had to atone for that. So it's again, seven times Jesus' blood was shed, was, was shed across the, the earth. You know, when the thorns went in, spear, his beard was pulled, he was punched, etc. This is the only reality that we should know about. And that's what God is calling you in. The worldview today will call you into other realities and other worldviews. This is one of the key invitations that Jesus gives us into a reality. The truth will set you free. The reality will set you free. Next one, Matt. So, just to continue on with that, the invite is into no greater love. If we read in, in John 15, uh, 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. When I read that, I'd be like... Um, Oh, look, that's, he's only talking about his disciples or his mates around him and all that kind of crack. That's absolutely not true. That's you and me if we allow him to be that for us. There is absolutely no greater love. So I'm going to actually read a few parts of this because it's a little bit weighty, so I'm going to read through. You get this love. You get it if you want it. You get your dam torn down if you invite him in. Jesus' blood was sprinkled all over the ground in Jerusalem as he was kicked, punched, flogged, nailed to a cross. One can make parallels with the sprinkling as I just went through in the Old Testament in Leviticus. One of the most difficult verses to read in Scripture is from Isaiah, where it says, it pleased him to crush him. So what is actually going on here? Is God the Father very pleased to crush his son? The only way that could get me and you back to the Father was that, that to happen. So the reality is, sin was done away with, the Father gets us back, Satan is defeated, and he has no more claim. 
So here you have to imagine, and this is where I was able to step deeper into a, a relationship with Jesus. I had to think of my worst things that I've ever done. And I actually had to, as scripture tells us, he took them all away, actually hand them over to Jesus. He, he became your sin as if he had perpetrated them. He became the worst thing, lust, anger, greed, manipulation, stealing, lying, selfishness. The list is absolutely endless. Jesus became it all. It transferred to him that day. This is what the father saw on the cross. His son taking on the filth of the world so that it could be done away with forever. And it pleased him to crush him. That day, just like back thousands, thousands of years ago, Abraham sacrificing his son, God said, stop. There was no stop sign. The father let the knife fall. Now, from this moment, you cannot say that God doesn't love you. Yet we can't. Because if we say that, it diminishes the cross. If we think it's some cosmic religion, theology, nonsense, we diminish what it actually was. It's a love story. It's a rescue. And it is very, very simple. He did it. He let the knife fall for your sins. It was us. that We were the ones that nailed Jesus to the cross. So you are now free. Mal, you can click on, please. Uh, you are now free from all the consequences of sin. You get to walk free. No rules, no principles to follow, just grace. You are made new because you said yes. And I'm hoping today, if you haven't said yes, and you might, you might be on a Christian journey for a long time, three years, four years, five years, and maybe you feel that you haven't said yes. Today is the day. Today is the day. Because if... Look, we're, we're in the ends of the chapters. Every great preacher across the world says it, knows it. We are in the end chapter. If, if you know, people who are writing in the, old, in the New Testament had really felt the Lord was going to come back and it was imminent, how more imminent is it now? Today, today's the day. Break down your dam, get rid of it. Because there is no greater love.